With me, Chris, Sam, and Jake. <laughs> uh, today we are going to be talking about a movie that is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, a movie that spawned a franchise that, with a total of seven movies and a TV show. But today we are going to mainly focus on the one that started it all. Um, I'd like to take everyone to a small town in Nevada called Perfection. That's right. Today we're, t- we're today we're discussing the 1990 movie Tremors. Ooh. You guys have no idea how excited I am for this. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we have a pretty good idea at <laughs> this point. <laughs> this is this is this is literally my favorite movie, and there is a story behind it. So why it's my favorite movie? Um, I almost died as a child. Uh, I uh, how the how did how did my parents put it? I accidentally ingested rust remover. <laughs> <laughs> that was the that was the exact terminology I got from my parents. Um, but after my hospital stay, I went to we were leaving and in the waiting room my brother and sister were waiting and on the TV they were watching waiting for me to come out was the very last like 5 minutes of Tremors is when they were running towards we'll get into that later. But yeah, it was the last bit of Tremors and I was just like what's that movie? I want to watch it. And spawned my love for this movie. Um, this is a director, uh, Ron Underwood. Uh, screenplay was written by S.S. Wilson and uh, Brent Maddock. Or Maddock. It's, it's pretty close. Of course, we are, of course, if people know, starring Kevin Bacon, uh, Fred Ward, uh, Michael Gross, Reba McIntyre, Finn Carter, and Victor Wong. Just some of the, some of the more you know, prominent names. Prominent names, uh, actually, Reba McIntyre's like film debut. I think it was one of her one of her very first movies, if not her first movie. Very cool. She handled herself well for it being her first go around. Oh yeah. Um, little synopsis here is: Repairmen Val and Earl are tired of their dull lives in the small small desert town of Perfection, Nevada, but just as the two try to skip town they happen upon a series of mysterious deaths and a concerned seismologist studying uh, unnatural readings below the ground with the help of an eccentric couple the gummers <laughs> the group fight for survival against giant worm-like monsters hungry for human flesh so smith and i watched the movie mm-hmm. jake's seen the movie enough times that really no need to watch it but Overall, guys' thoughts. Love this movie growing up. Uh, it was probably one of my favorite creature features to watch, and one of the few that I was allowed to for a good portion of my childhood. Um, but, yeah, I remember as a real little kid actually having to like take the dog out at night, and after just watching it, being afraid to walk on the grass, like I'd just run from, <laughs> from bit of sidewalk to bit of sidewalk. Mm. I liked it. I've always liked the movie. I don't really have any stories with it, so... I have an almost death story, so... (laughs) (laughs) You win. (laughs) But, uh... uh, Like I said, one of my favorite movies. Love the movie. Uh, Especially the first... The first one always stands out to me. Like I said, there's a total of seven movies in this franchise. Um, 
this one always stood out to me as the best one, but in a lot of franchises, that's generally the, you know, go-to is generally the first one's, on average, the best one. Second one holds up, though. I do recommend the second one. Oh, for sure. They kind of slowly, still good, still Tremors movies, but it just, just doesn't quite hit that first mark they did. Um, the concept of the movie actually came uh, with creators S.S. Wilson and Brett Maddock first got the idea they were working with the U.S. Navy in California desert and they were charged with filming instructional videos and uh, they were filming on, a, on a, a kind of a lone rock and they kind of wondered, hmm, what would it be like to be stranded on this rock with something trying to get us in the dirt? And the franchise was born. That's what happened. Uh, so we open opening of the movie we have one of the main characters uh val peeing off the side of a cliff mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be awesome don't you think yeah, just freewheeling <laughs> it out there <laughs> you yeah. really couldn't do it honey but no but they have accessories though <laughs> I was <gonna> say that. <laughs> they do have a thing you can make it basically like you have a dick we can make it happen you can pee off the side of a cliff too or you can just hold me over while i pee on the side <laughs> Does that mean we finally reached gender equality, Sam? No. We definitely have not. In no sense of the word, have we? But man and woman can pee the same. Oh, man and woman not treated the same. (laughs) Man, do whatever they want. Women, uh, we gotta control your body. (laughs) This conversation took a turn quickly. I got you. Um, Did you... By chance, did either one of you have a friendship like Val and Earl? Because you get the scene, like, right after he's peeing and they wake up and they discuss breakfast. You got one searching, one's got a cigarette and has a pack of cigarettes and is searching for is searching for something to light it with. The other one's got something to light it with and is searching for a cigarette. <laughs> something like that along those lines growing up. Their Either. inability to fully adult somehow yes. makes them combined a full adult. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I have. I mean, I've had friendships where I'll have money and buy people my friend lunch and vice versa. But I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Anything even close to where, like, even in school, like you'd have a pen and they'd have paper. Like <laughs> <laughs> anything like that. Not that I can think of. I can't think of an exact, like, one-to-one ratio for this for me. Um, I've had some pretty close friends, but I'm never quite this comedic. <laughs> yeah. And that that little bit happens... Constantly. Like, two or three times in the movie. You see where he... There, it's just, like, feeling and himself up. And they switch. Up. One has cigarettes, one has a yep. lighter. And it's, it's, it flops back and forth. Um, and that's how it starts. We, we kind of get, you know, the friendship there kind of the slightly older slightly older guy and Earl and you get the younger kind of cocky attitude from Valentine and we have this uh, I wanted to uh, um, the scene where they're putting up the fence and he's hammering that one you nail <laughs> over and over and over and over and misses like <laughs> misses like a bunch of times and finally gets it on that last strike and then Earl kind of takes a second and is just like freaking kidding me <laughs> was that was that ad-libbed or scripted that's what i wanted to look up i didn't look it up I was, oh, i'm no. a horrible person i'm a terrible <laughs> 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 
It's all right. Exactly. That was, a, that was a little much. I'm a terrible person. But yeah, just that by the by the look on Earl's face, I'm assuming it was that's not how it was supposed to go. I'm assuming it was supposed to be just a couple taps and then they move on. Yeah. Because just how he was just like, oh, let's keep going then. <laughs> yeah, because thinking back on that, I always wondered, was was that planned? Because it, it just has such a, I don't know, off-the-cuff feel to it. Um, so we keep we have that scene, and then it cuts to them driving, kind of discussing their day, because we had talked there. They're kind of like the Valley's handymen. They kind of do odd jobs and whatever is needed around around this particular town. Um, when they notice a uh, truck off in the distance in kind of the middle of this desert area. And we also this is when we come to find out that Valentine is a little on the shallow side. Before <laughs> you continue, uh, it was not scripted. Ah, sweet. Uh, Director Ron Underwood thought it was a great moment that seemed very real, so he left it in the film. Very nice. Yeah. Thank you, wife. You're welcome. Continue. But yeah, we discover that he's he has in his mind a specific type uh, of woman that he wants. Blonde hair, blue eyes, long legs. World class breasts, ass that won't quit, and legs that go all the way up. <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> I love this movie. Typical. But, uh, and so... It's because they know that this the, the individual that's in the, in the middle of the desert is the next college student. So from what we kind of understand is they must get like a rotation of college people just kind of doing certain grad work or whatever in the in the valley. And they know that the next one's supposed to be a, f- a woman. So that's why he kind of veers off the road and just goes charging at this oh, random truck. The power of boners compels him. Yeah. <laughs> so the then power they, of getting his dick wet. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they stop abruptly, the dust kind of plumes up, and as the dust settles, you see almost the exact opposite of everything he was just kind of calling off on the truck right over. Well, okay, I wouldn't say it's the exact opposite. She has curly short hair, she has blue eyes, but she has freckles. She may not be super tall, but she's still pretty. Still very pretty, yeah. <laughs> and, she's wearing, the, and she's wearing like frumpy clothes too, so it's not really like it's not really the point I was trying to make. <laughs> I know, but I'm, I'm just not saying. trying to attack this woman. But I'm just saying what what he was describing in his eyes would she would have been the exact opposite in horny Valentine's eyes. Yes. <laughs> um, this is when we kind of start getting because she questions about because uh, she's. Studying seismology, uh, tr- uh, tr- shifts and tremors in, in the in the earth, is when she kind of poses a question. We kind of start getting the first hints of you know something maybe going on is because there's a weird activity going on underneath the ground. She thinks her stuff's broken. She because yeah, she asked if there was blasting or drilling going on anywhere in the valley, and when they say no, they're just just like oh maybe they're all broken out the bag the entire summer. Semester. Love you. Love you. <laughs> uh, You're welcome. They have they have that conversation and he's like, oh well, maybe we'll we'll ask around for you. They leave. And they're driving back and kind of you know Earl being Earl, he's just like, oh it's a it's a, 
he's a young man, she's a young woman, maybe I can mash them together and something will happen. <laughs> he kind of calls him out for his, like, yeah. two specific wants in a woman. Bobby, Bobby Lynn Dexter. Tammy Lynn Baxter. <laughs> Telling you, I love this movie. Um, and so he happens, well, maybe we can look at those seismographs for her. And he's just like, why would we do that? Oh, it'd be a slick way to get to know her. And it's just a back and forth. And this is when we finally see this small town of Perfection, Nevada. Um, population 14. Find that out right away. And that's something that, like, I have seen it so many times watching the movie. I just never was just like, oh, hey, it's 14. I'd seen that sign so many times. I just elevation kind of... was 2,000 something. 2,400 something. I, say, I, didn't notice that I saw the elevation, yeah. Which I don't know what elevation corroborates with stuff, but. From sea level, so. I guess it's normal for Nevada. I mean, it's definitely not Death Valley, but where's Death Valley? Is that California? Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. Because I believe that actually dips below sea level. Okay. (laughs) And so you kind of get, like I said, they start, you know, uh, talking about what they have to do that day on their drive. And we hear one of Earl Bassett's favorite words. And I had, (laughs) I've watched this movie a lot of times. And for some reason, watching it this last time, I kind of picked up on Earl's favorite word. The word plan. (laughs) If you notice, he says it like so many times in the entire movie. This is also where they talk about how they try to plan ahead so they don't have to work now. Oh yeah, that's 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 stated when they get to the convenience store yeah. or the general store they have in town. But uh, so then it kind of just gives you a, a lay of their day. It shows them doing odd jobs, like they they are in charge of the garbage removal. There, it shows them doing that. Um, they talk about leaving in that instance. You know, well, you know, we just you know should pack up and leave. And then it shows them going from that scene because I think it cuts to them pumping. Sewage. Yeah, I think it like a septic system. Mm-hmm. They're pumping. Up. They're pumping the septic system, and uh, this is the straw that breaks the camel's back, in a sense, because they're go- right as they start pumping the sewage out of this house. There's holes in the lines, and they just get covered in human shit. <laughs> That's gross. And so then the scene cuts from there to Val coming out. What I assume is, I think they live together from the kind of the feel. It might be like they have two separate things or whatever, but they live on the same chunk of property in town. But they go to leave. Uh, They get stopped by... uh, I can't think of her name. I know, it's Mindy's mom. Mindy's mom. I can't think of it. I'm going to hate myself. But uh, she's got a big job for him. She offers them money, free lunches, and she also throws in beer. And you can see for a split second, they're just like, "Uh, beer? (laughs) But then the scene cuts one more time and they're driving down the road getting, they're they're on their way out of town. They're going. They're gone. Would you get sucked in by free beer? No. Hmm. If I got sprayed with shit, no. (laughs) (laughs) By the looks of it, in their state, they had showered. Still, no. Uh, it depends on what uh, point in my life I was at. If I was like Val age, yeah, I'd probably I'd probably go for it. 
Depends on how sick of the town I was by then. Oh, well, being covered in shit. Uh, <laughs> uh. Yeah, you wash that off. <laughs> <laughs> but so then, uh, they're driving out of town. They're going to the uh, Bigsby. That's the, I'm assuming the closest big town that this small town has. Because I think a th- I think it's set at one point in time 38 miles. 38 miles, yeah. 38 miles to Big Speed. So they're on their way and they're going. And as they're going, they hap- happen to look up and there's uh, somebody on one of the power towers, electrical towers. And uh, they know who it is. They're just like, oh, he only wears, uh, that's Edgar Deems. He only wears that one damn jacket. So they pull off and they're looking up at this guy. And uh, they're just like, oh, we got, we got to get him down from there. And then the, the two do, the two do, <laughs> their iconic rock paper scissors to find out who's got to climb up and get him. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm listening. <laughs> um, and of course, and I think, it re- I might have to rewatch it again and count how many times he loses. I'm pretty sure it's a fair amount. Um, Val loses, and has to climb this. Uh, He's what? That's gotta be what? 40, 50 feet in the air? Yeah, I that's assume. Reckon. He starts climbing this tower and gets gets to the man, looks up at him, and he's dead. He's You can see, it looks like he's been out there for a while because his face looks like it's. He's all, all dehydrated. All dehydrated, right and it's looks like he's got blisters and stuff all over his face. He's been in the sun for a while. Yeah. This is our first death. This is, this is the first confirmed death. First confirmed death. Oh, and I gotta go back a little bit because they make the statement right before they find Edgar that nothing between them leaving, nothing between there's nothing between where they are and Bigsby, but nothing. There's nothing in between there. They, they have they, they're they're home free, and shortly after that they find Edgar's body. Um, they take the take the body and they find out that the doc the, the doctor because they are autom- already had assumptions of how he died. Because the older man figured something happened, climbed up there for some strange reason, and died of a heart attack. Yeah, they were also figuring he was drunk and so yeah. he ended yeah. up there. Um, but Doc tells them he died of dehydration. He died of thirst. And they're just like, oh, that takes a, you know, a couple days, doesn't it? And the doctor's like, well, maybe even three or four. So we kind of get that. It's just like, well, it's just kind of an odd way for somebody to die, having the complete capability of going up and down that, you know... And Before he would have died. And wasn't he holding a shotgun too? It was a Winchester. Yeah, a Winchester. he had okay. he had the rifle. Yeah. yeah. That's why they're like, he's a, who? What couldn't scare? Wouldn't you be scared of a Winchester rifle or something like that? Yeah. So it adds a adds a little more mystery to what's going on here. Like, why was he seemingly protecting himself and climbing all this way up? Yeah. Because they have the. They have the conversation that the conversation you guys pretty much just had. They have that in the truck as they keep driving. Um. Oh, somebody, you know, ch- somebody chased him up there. Somebody who's not afraid of a Winchester rifle, yeah. stuff like that. What are you looking at me like that for? I literally just said that. Oh, I'm just reiterating. <laughs> and then what they do? Camp down there and wait for him to die, type of thing. So they, um, in in this, we have a cut scene that goes to a man hoeing a garden, working in a garden. You see back in the distance his. Uh, Sheep get kind of spooked, and they do a couple, like couple laps around their enclosure thing there. The sheep's, the sheep's, and then he just keeps keeps hoeing, 
<laughs> That's kind of a hard thing to say. <laughs> Keeps working his garden. And it kind of cuts to cuts to him looking this way and you got a scarecrow in the background and all of a sudden you see the scarecrow just go to <laughs> one side, just kind of tips to one side. And no more than 10 to 15 seconds after that we get the the noise I can't even describe it. The graboid noise of this high shriek kind of thing coming from the ground and a poof of dust and he starts getting sucked down into the ground and then the scene cuts back to Val and Earl, I think, and I think they're driving this when they start talking about, you know, mm-hmm. Edgar's thing. And then no sooner they're in, the, in that conversation, they pull up to the scene of where the guy was working his garden. Because first they see the sheep, because the sheep were... Annihilated. There's pieces of sheep everywhere. Which, that's something that does make sense to me, because it seems like it can just easily swallow people whole. They can just grab them right into the, you know, dirt or whatever. Why would it tear it apart and then pull it down? Yeah. With what we do see, for the most part of it, in action, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but... It it's pretty much just for filmmaking purposes. I guess. And that's what I was gonna say. I'm pretty. It was just for, to be a visual. So something that Val and Earl could have saw from the road to bring them to what they inevitably find. Because there's other stuff later too that I'm like that'll make sense. But I'll mention it when we get to those points. Okay. Um. So they see this and they're just like, oh, like a bunch of dead sheep. They go and uh, they start kind of looking around. Uh, this guy's name's Old Fred. We find that out at this point in time. Old Fred! Hey there, Old Fred! And uh, they see his hat. Because he's wearing a hat when he was working the garden. They see his hat laying in the middle of the garden. And they're just like, oh, this is damn weird. And of course we get that one of the another iconic scene from this movie... Uh, Val picks up the hat and his all you get is this face. Like this <laughs> screaming face just in the dirt. So that part, did just like chomp off the head and leave the rest? By the looks of it, it does It does look like it's just like the front of his head. Yeah. Because you see like kind of the the bloodline or what the bloodline or whatever. It looks like it's just the front like part of it. Like it got just sheared off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So presumably <laughs> it bit a little too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get that scene and then of course they freak out. And this is when they decide uh, they go back to town. Because they're just like, oh, we gotta, people gotta know. They go back to town and uh, they pass by construction crew. They're working on the road or doing something. And they stop and tell them, you guys gotta get out of here. There's a psycho killer chopping people's heads off and everything. You guys gotta get out now. And they keep driving and the construction workers are like, oh, they're pulling our chains. And no sooner that Val and Earl are just disappearing around, you know, a curb, the one guy working the jackhammer punches down into something and it makes that of course that squealy noise that we've come to you know seeing the movie a bunch of times you you know and the jackhammer starts taking off yeah it just starts going and it starts going up this hill and everything and of course as it's going the guy happens to look down and the hose is wrapped around his foot and all of a sudden he's going Mm -hmm. getting dragged up this hill and his buddy's like what's going on Ah!" And so he's running after him, which is stupid. He's running after him, and then up on top of the hill, we can't really see what happens. We know he dies, but that causes a rock slide, which crushes the other construction worker, blocking the road. Road's now blocked. There's no getting out of the valley anymore. 
<laughs> it's uh, starting it's to set, suck, it's, right? Yeah, it's starting to set the stage for, okay, here's what you got to deal with, and here's why you can't go. So, uh, I was going to say here, too, is it actually the um, rock slide that kills him, or is it something else? Because later on when they happen upon it, you see something that you're like, is it the rock slide, or is it something else? Well, you, you see the rocks falling on him. You get Because yeah. he's, he's right there when the rocks are falling. Yeah, but so. that might not kill him, though. Uh, I'm pretty sure some of the size of the rocks that were you started were showing falling would have. Well, okay, continue. I'll tell you why in a minute. Go ahead. So, um, cuts from that scene of the of the rock slide happening. It cuts back to them in the back at the general store, um, where we meet a lot of the other characters. We meet Walter. We meet uh, Miguel, Nestor. I think that's his name. Uh, yeah, there's Nestor. Yeah, Nestor. Um, what is the kid's name? Oh, the kid? Is that Melvin? Melvin. Melvin. Uh, I was uh, an unfortunate name for a poor kid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Melvin. Uh, then there's Mindy. What is the wife, the mom's name? Uh, Nancy? Nancy. Nancy and Mindy. Okay. We meet all these characters, um... We all we get you know Bert. We've already met Bert and uh, Heather. Heather. Meet all certain meet all these characters, getting to know them a little bit, and uh, they come and they're just like, oh, you know, this is, Edgar's dead, old Fred's dead, and so they're just like, hey, you need to get to Bigsby. You need to get the cops, you know, cops here their right away because the, yeah, the phone's not working and the radio can't reach outside of the valley because of the mountains. So Val and Earl hop back in the truck, and they start going pretty much back the way they came. And, uh, of course, in that, they happen upon the now closed-off road. Mm-hmm. They're just like, oh, well, they're going. And this is when they find out that they're, the guys are dead because mm-hmm. they exit, and they happen to look down, and there's what seems to be a helmet and brain matter. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, because... That makes sense with the landslide, but we see something again later when they're talking about phone lines not working or oh, something. Oh, people coming to check on them. Yeah, people coming to check on them. And then we see the same thing, but there wasn't a landslide. So that's why I'm saying, was it a landslide that actually killed him? Or was it, like, he survived the landslide and then the graboid got him from there? It could have yeah. been. It's definitely a possibility, but very messy eaters, those graboids. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah, just lopping heads off and everything. <laughs> um... So now, they're just like, shit, we gotta go back to town and figure this shit out. And they do, um, backs up, kind of bumps into the side of the side of the hill, and then goes to leave. And for some reason, he can't, they can't, the truck won't move. Uh, Earl says he's hung up, Val insists he's not, and they just keep, keeps, it's a four, it's a big, it's a nice four-wheel drive vehicle, so he just kind of... Gives her hell, and eventually they go. Gets back to town, and they're just like, what are you guys doing back so soon? You guys shouldn't be back. And they, they go to start explaining why when somebody's like, what's that? And we cut to kind of the first actual sighting of this thing, of what we call graboids. It's this long, I don't know what it's like, probably five, six foot. Yeah. Um, snake eel looking thing that's wrapped around their back, their rear axle. And this is where they think it's not... It's just above ground creature. Yeah, this is where they th- this is where they think it's a, it's a single creature. They make the statement on 
uh, stalled out your truck. I had to be one strong son of a bitch. Yeah. God, I could... If I thought about it hard enough, I could recite this entire movie. <laughs> you kind of are. As soon as they find this thing... Uh, the owner, of, the owner Walter of the general store, offers them five dollars, five dollars for it, and they have a kind of a heckling session. They settle on fifteen, fifteen dollars. <laughs> Just and I think the very next scene, I think it's flip flops, and it's got a Walter's got a sign posted inside, and it says three dollars per picture. And of course, then Earl turns and uses one of his favorite words: "It's a man who plans ahead." <laughs> yep. And they get to talking again, so they they know their roads out. They know that they're ge- other ways geologically isolated. They got mountains, and then they got cliffs on every direction. There's no way out. So they come to the consensus that, hey, Walter's got saddle horses. And so they ask the question, who's best on a horse? And so they all kind of look at each other and then turn and look a certain direction, and the camera pans, and it's... Of course, it's Val and Earl. But it cuts to back to the doctor's house because they're they're in the process of building their own house in the valley. They're sitting there talking, and their generator goes out. So they're just like, oh, shit, go fix it. Because this is at dusk at this point, right? Or yeah, it's this a, is it's the a, night before. It's after, it's after night, yeah. Mm, okay. It's, from what I understand, to be the night before they are getting... Because when they're getting the horses ready, it's, the, it's like twilight almost morning and this would have been the night before so doctor goes and he checks on the checks on the generator and discovers that it's just gone no generator there wife's comes over doesn't believe him because you know yeah man eyes (laughs) it's a thing been through it with my wife plenty of times i'll go look for something i won't see it she'll look and it's right in front of me yeah like your body spray yes perfect example um, but he's like well there's the cord it should be right here he starts pulling up the cord and then um, about 10 feet in front of him it gets shot out of the ground and then lands you know close by him and that's when they mention the smell why does it smell so bad and then he starts he starts trying to rational he starts being a complete dude right here he starts trying to rationalize rationalize yes. everything going on. Oh, it could be a geyser. It could be mine shafts. It's all this thing. <laughs> and there's and the wife's just going, like, get the fuck get the fuck in the car. We're the fuck out of here. <laughs> She's trying really hard. And on their walk back to the vehicle, he starts getting sucked down. And just, you know, so she's freaking out. He's about, you know, waist level and she's just trying to, she's trying to pull at him and get him up out of the ground. He's, to his neck now and she and i noticed this in one of the scenes where she's like trying to pull the dirt away it's so dainty it's like it's like i think i think it's one of the things is where i don't want to get too close to him but i also need to be looking like i'm trying to dig him out and then he fully gets sucked under and like the camera at her is she's doing real crazy and then it pans back to just her hands and it's like Real slow. <laughs> and I think when he's fully sucked under and she's doing it real slow is because she knows something's about to pop up. Because that's one of the one of the tentacles eventually pops up in the spot he was in. So she's just kind of just like very slowly and just like, hey, I know what's going to happen. It's going to scare the shit out of me. And I don't want to do that. And also probably not to like mess up the staging yeah. on it so yeah. that the camera catches something that's not supposed to. So, of course, one of these what eel snake-like things pops up. 
pops up, scares her, tries to get her, barely misses her. So she runs to the their um, vehicle, gets in, shuts all doors, locks all doors, finds out the keys aren't in it, unfortunately. But, you know, what? how would it be a scary movie without, you know, that in it? Yeah. Bumps the radio, radio starts playing, and she's th- sitting in this vehicle thinking she's now safe. Thinking she's safe from whatever is outside. That's when the rumble happens. And plumes of dust and debris just start flying and we get we finally see like the car the car is being sucked down underneath the ground and that slowly happens and inch by inch glass starts breaking and you see the headlights in the sky and no headlights that's it very very cool scene honestly Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we know for a fact that the doctor and his wife are graboid food I would like to say too I would kill to have that view they're talking about in the sky. Oh, it is so amazing. Right? I would oh. kill to have that. And the funny thing is, is from what I've under from what I understand generally, it's at night, it's really cold in the desert. Yep. And you don't get that sense at all for a for chunks of the movie. Yeah. Except for when they're sleeping on the rock. That's when you get that they were probably cold. But like that scene right there yeah, they may have been working and stuff, but I figured they'd have been cold. Yeah, you don't see breath or anything yeah. like that. It seems. I'm wondering if this scene was. Well, it does have that scenic view though, but it almost feels like it must have been done on a soundstage or something. It could have been. So. So um, we have this scene. We just have this scene where the doctor and his wife die. That happens. That's when it cuts to uh, them getting the horses and stuff ready. They're getting packed and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when uh, one of the one of my favorite just one liners of the of the movie. They talk about uh, what gun, who gets what gun, and then this one Walter comes just walking by, and here's some Swiss cheese and some bullets. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite just little just little itty bit itty bitty lines in there. Just hilarious. They're getting the horses ready. Um, and they just start going off towards towards Bigsby. As they're getting ready, they had make a mention. We'll stop. We'll stop at the Doc's house and see if they went made it to town or not. Start. They ride away off into the sun or sun sunrise because the sun's rising. Um, cuts to them at the doctor's house. They're kind of poking around, and they're just like, "Oh, well, the car is gone." It just means they we just missed them. They they went to town. And uh, Val makes a statement. Oh. Where's the where's the golden oldies coming from? So they start kind of following following the sound of the music, and one of their boots connects with the what we find out to be the front end of the station wagon. They start clearing it off, and they find out what it is, and they're just like, "What the fuck does that?" Yeah, it's such a cool reveal too, especially when you're like imagining it from their viewpoint. Like they just think it's a psycho killer, mm-hmm. but now. A whole freaking station wagon just got submerged underground. And we're not, and, and see, in the hardest way possible, too, because we're not talking it went from horizontal and horizontal down. We're talking it went, end up getting vertical, and it's vertically in the ground. Yeah, it like, like titanic itself into yeah. the floor. Yeah. So this spooks Valinor a lot. They hop on the horses, and they're taking, they're, it's at a full run now. They're taking off. And this, you know, a little breadcrumb they do. You see him running along this uh, 
cement channel. I'm assuming it's something for runoff or irrigation something like, or something like that. Something, yeah. You see them, the horse is running along to, and then they turn along the fence line and now they're just running up the fence line. And they're discussing, they're just like, what the hell would want to do something like that? And in the midst of this kind of heated conversation argument type thing they're having between one another, their horses just stop. And they start neighing and whatever. And it, horses are smart. They have various senses. They know when something is like, something's not right. Kind of like the sheep did earlier that we saw. They were just like, ah, trying to get out of this pen because we know something's going to eat us. Yeah. So they stop and they draw... They draw whatever guns they have, and they're getting ready, and then all of a sudden, uh, Earl's horse just kind of freaks out and falls down, spooking Valzer's, Val's, Val's horse, (laughs) Val's horse, knocking him to the ground. They both get up, and they see, um, the snake eel things wrapped around Earl's horse, just wrapped around it, holding it to the ground. They're just like, well, what the hell? And that's when they make their kind of realization, oh, that's how they get you. They're under the damn ground. <laughs> and he makes that one shot, and it shoots one of the one of these eel thingies, and it goes back into the ground. And this is when we get that first scene where we, we see it for the first time. We hear the ground kind of, like, cracking and breaking, and bursting through the crust of earth is what we will call graboids that's they're gonna be their name their names from now on and they're just like must be a million of them breaks through no just one big one <laughs> and it does the whole flop down and it screams at him uh val unloads the uh the rifle at it doesn't do a damn thing brushes it off and they just start running it's going after them and it does that, uh, one of the, what do I want to call it, one of the cool scenes where it's breaking the fence posts as it's going. you got the fence posts just kind of falling over as it's chasing them. <laughs> and they're running, they're running, they're running. And of course, once it, like we, we come to that ditch with the cement ditch or whatever, we can make it, we can make it. They jump, they don't make it. Yeah. <laughs> They hit, they hit the far side, they fall down, so they're in this they're in this ditch, whatever now, and they hear it coming, and slam! Slams right into the side of the cement. You hear that, you hear that solid thud, and then I was just like, oh, stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> Knocked itself cold. And they find out that this happened to kill it. It's this big... They haven't named it yet. This big creature is dead. Right after it happens, uh, the college student, Rhonda, peeks over and she's like, Did you guys notice anything strange? It just just happened. And that's when she happens to notice the dripping hole that was almost made by this thing. They start trying to see what they're dealing with. Uh, I think it's Earl and Rhonda are working on the front side. And we find out that Vel is on top digging, like trying to find out how big this thing is. Once again, the smell is noted. This thing, it's just... Fr- and I was talking to Samantha about this. Why do you think it smells? Uh, honestly, it could it could be something biochemical in it. I just kind of thought of it like, well, Tauntaun smell even worse on the inside. <laughs> Some things just smell bad, I guess. I wonder if it's... Because they said... They don't... T- they said they can't find any, like, uh, scat or anything from it. 
So I wonder if it like if it doesn't poop. Yeah, or if it does while it's going, but then it just runs right back in its own shit kind of thing. Oh, and just kind of ends up eating its own yeah. shit like an earthworm or something? Yeah. I, you know, that wouldn't be too bad of a theory right there. I don't know what else it would be from. Because to my knowledge, I'm pretty sure the smell is never again discussed. In like the later movies yeah. or anything? Yeah. It could be. I am fairly certain. I may be wrong, but I'm fairly certain it's never like... It's never noted anyway. Well, the doctor talked about how it smells like uh, sulfur. Because he talks about how it smells like a... Uh, uh, geyser. A geyser. Yosemite. Oh, okay. Yeah. So kind of like a rotten el- uh, rotten egg. El- rotten egg <laughs> scent. Yeah. I wonder if it had anything to do with like particular mineral deposits in that region. Well, maybe it could be. I don't know. Or like, maybe... Well, no, because it doesn't eat the, gra- the ground going through, though. Now that I think about it's it, just pushing it pushes through. through it. But yeah, it's just kind of a little, a little thing. It's just I'm just kind of just like they never because I know like in later in later movies they kind of touch on other things that questions that are asked in this movie they're kind of touched on in other other films. But that's one that's really never like oh they smell because of this. Or I wonder if it's also because a lot of animals have natural deterrence for stuff. Like camouflage, oh, poisons, that kind of thing. So I wonder if it's like a natural deterrent. If it's pre-prehistoric, then I wonder if it was a deter- natural deterrent for a predator. Yeah. That, and it just kept it. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Plus, these things seem to... They can essentially hibernate in egg form for hundreds of years. Yeah. So there wouldn't be as much genetic mutation to really breed that out of them. Yeah. Do they yeah. ever talk about in this first movie... Because obviously it's never been around before this whole time. Did mm-hmm. they... Because I know in... Uh, which one was it? The, when they go back in time? Four. And four, where they talk about how uh, they're blasting or something and how, how Otter Spring got to them. So what made these ones come about? Never you know really I mean? never really talked about. Yeah. There's no blasting. There's no mining going on. So why all of a sudden do they decide to pop up now? Global warming. Ah, you got me. I also got to remember, Val says, I got the ass in. I got the ass in. <laughs> I really stumbled on something here. And so they, they discuss many things, discuss how it's got no eyes because it must be solely t- subterranean. She points out about the spikes on its sides, knowing that's that's probably how it moves through the dirt so mm-hmm. f- so fast. And in that moment, you kind of see her realization like, uh, there may be something. Something's going on here, and as she's making this discovery, Val and Earl are in the background talking about how they can make money on this thing. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to give it to uh, Walter this time for for a measly fifteen bucks. No, <laughs> always a hustle. Yep. Um, and do you remember that scene? Would you like fifteen to twenty feet long? Is that a good? Yeah, that's pretty good. I'd say. Probably, yeah, about 15, 20 feet, maybe 25 at the top end, but the bottle itself, I think, could probably be about 20 feet. So I was kind of looking at it when I was talking about that, and I'm just like, if Earl was to lay down next to it, it looks like it'd be about, like, three of him. Yeah. So figuring he's an average, you know, six-foot-ish man, a six, you know, 
18 foot, maybe. Men are averages six foot tall? <laughs> we, we wish. <laughs> <laughs> He's got boots on. Oh, gives him an extra two inches. Maybe. Uh, okay, the wiki says that they are officially 30 feet long. Whoa! Oh, that doesn't look like no 30 feet. No, that's what I meant. Like maybe, I wonder if maybe they're adding the tongues to it. That could be. You know. Full extension. But, yeah, there, there was there was that. But, yeah, like I said, she Rhonda had this realization where um, there was a f- total of four four Graboids. And, of course, we know that we've killed one successfully right now. So there's three more of these thingies left. Stakes uh, thus set. Yeah, now we, say, now we kind of know what we're dealing with to, to a degree. Because we know what it is, but that's pretty much about it. Mm-hmm. With the horses gone, they really have no way back to town, so... They follow Rhonda back to back to her like setup or whatever because she's got a truck. As they get there, so does a graboid. <laughs> Followed her right behind them. Mm-hmm. So they run. They hop on a. They hop on these perfectly placed boulders scattered throughout the entire valley. By the way, they just happen to pop up wherever they're needed. <laughs> and as they're sitting on this rock, because the graboid doesn't leave, it always hangs out. Um, they start speculating on what these things could be. Um, uh, Val thinks it's a surprise for the Russians from the U.S. government. Uh, Aliens. And then Earl thinks it's they're from outer space. Uh, Rhonda's like, oh, there's nothing about them in the fossil record. <laughs> and uh, end up sleeping. They wake up. And they're like, okay, well, let's see if he's still there. And this is when they kind of make the realization. It's like, well, he's not smelling us. Has no eyes. He can't see us. So he's got to be listening, right? And so they all make the realization, well, well they they hear us. They can feel our vibrations or whatever. So they, discuss, they plan a way to get off the rock because uh, she happens to be parked right next to these boulders. They get to her vehicle. I will, before you continue, you're going a little too fast there. Uh, they can't figure out a way to get off the rock, and she's trying to tell them, but, of course, typical man not listening to a woman, right? Okay? And she's smart, big brain, right? And what she do? She's like, let's pull vault. And then she gets them across on pull vaults. And were... And watch it. Were those PVC pipes? No, they were like wood. It looked like wood. Was it wood? It looked like wood poles. Very oddly straight, long wood poles just hanging there. I know. Right? As, well, she, she, you see, she, she had read ahead in the script and knew she would need those later. Oh, so she, she put them, them there? On. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. You got it, you got it. Otherwise, no. I, I think it's funny how uh, Earl is cocky, too. He was like something about pole vaulting and then he doesn't make this first <laughs> pole vault. That would hurt, too. Ooh, Flat on your back on a rock. Oh. Oh. And then you got you got Valentine with the... <laughs> As a whole kid, thing. I always used to do that right before I did something. The whole, pop, the whole spit in the hands and posture. I got this. Um, we got them escaping, escaping this particular Graboid. Um, and they go back to town. And they get to town, and they start explaining to people, and they're like, hey, this is this is not what you guys think it is. It's something much bigger, under the ground, and they're scary. <laughs> no one's seeming, and it's, and it's one of the frustrating things, is no one's seeming to understand. And then you got Walter in the background just being like, snakeoids, uh, 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 grab, graboids! <laughs> just shut up about the name! That's going on. They've been trying to get a hold of Bert and Heather because they've been going around 
thinking they're hunting something above ground and like long snake and eel like. Um, this is all going on, and uh, we get our first. I want to say sad death here pretty quick. Um, the grab they know the graboids there, but they're trying to you know keep quiet and be as quiet as possible. But the cooler is broken and tends to make a very loud noise when it hits a certain stage in its I don't know run cycle or whatever, which brings the graboid inside the. Keep wanting to say convenience store. General store. It's a general store. Yeah. <laughs> general store. And just happens, so happens to grab Walter. And we lose Walter, unfortunately. Uh, gone too soon. Was this before or after uh, she gets attacked and her gets wrapped in barbed wire? This is a before. Okay. Because then, uh, right? I almost think you're going... You're Did I what, skip ahead? Did I, I think skip? you skipped way ahead. Because we have... Did I miss... Because Melvin's bouncing the ball. Oh, yeah. I skipped way ahead. Sorry. Rewind. Yes. (laughs) I went a little too far forward. Back up a little bit. Um, They get back to town. And like I said, they're trying to explain to people that these are big, nasty things. And uh, Melvin's kind of known for being a little bit of a shit. (laughs) Putting it nicely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is the best terminology I can think of in this moment. He's bouncing the ball outside, and then that's when it takes it sucks the ball into the ground. It sucks the ball into the ground. And, and then he's, they hear Melvin scream, and they're like, "I'm gonna kill that asshole!" And, <laughs> and they go outside, and they're just they don't know where he went, and they happen to look up, and he's like death gripped on death like, gripped on a pole, and that's when you can see it on Val, Earl, and Rhonda's face. It's just like, "Shit, it's here!" And uh, so they all go take off varying directions, because he ends up going. Well, oh, because Mel- they go for Mandy. Yeah, because she's or on Mindy. the pogo stick. Oh, that's what happened. That's what okay, because uh, Melvin, Melvin's already in the shed. He runs up. It looks like it looks like an outhouse. Running into an outhouse, and everybody kind of goes, you know, to to safety. They're all back in the general store when they hear the the spring of a pogo pogo stick, and so they're just trying to look. Like, Mandy, stop, Mandy, stop, stop, stop. And of course, you know, she's got. Typical, uh, she's she's probably what, like... Maybe eight, nine. Eight or nine. Yeah. She's got headphones. She's got her probably uh, 1990 Walkman. Yeah, probably an old school Walkman. (laughs) She's got her Walkman going. She's bouncing on a pogo stick. Uh, Val goes taking off after her. Gets her off the pogo stick. Pogo stick, don't move. (laughs) Which is another good scene. I just, I'd like this as the... Pogo stick don't move. Gets sucked down in front of Val, Nancy, and Mindy. She gets shot back up, and then Nancy and Mindy go run one way. Val runs another way. And Earl, Earl, and Min, Earl and Rhonda were standing next to each other. Earl went towards the the uh, convenience store, and then um, Rhonda went a different. Way. Rhonda went towards where Melvin was hanging out, but he was, you know, he's a little shit and wasn't gonna let her in. Yeah, and that's when she got caught in the barbed wire. And that's a- that's also that's after um, it destroys the tires on their on their truck. Yeah. Because that's when because he's because there's two there's two graboids that they they find out unfortunately, and they got one pretty much rocking the boat of the of Fallon Earl's truck destroying the tires and stuff, and they got one that's um, 
went after Rhonda. Rhonda gets tripped up by barbed wire, then gets wrapped up in it. Yep. So they got one there, slowly, slowly drawing her in by the barbed wire. Mm-hmm. Ow. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and uh, found out in that scene, it wasn't rehearsed. It was done right then and there. So the awkwardness between um, Rhonda and uh, Val, like, you know, it's just like, you're in your underwear and stuff like that. That was real. <laughs> Very like, natural. They, they did that. They did that. Because they wanted it to be like like natural. The reason why I was talking about her underwear is because she take her pants and shoes off. I was gonna circle back to it. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> I was trying to help. But um, so Val sees that happening. So she's slowly getting sucked in. He grabs like a pickaxe or something from the back of the truck, goes running, takes a nice hefty swing. It does a whole hell of a lot, you know. <laughs> um, goes helps her. Takes her pants off, boots off, to get out of the barbed wire, which is smart. It's better than trying to unwrap, because barbed wire sucks. They go running back, and once again, they get that nice, you get that awesome scene of how something under the ground affects the world around it, because the planking in front of the general store goes, does a nice, a nice wave (laughs) motion. And then so now they're all in the, they're all in the general store. Well, we got Walter... Walter, Miguel, Val and Earl, and Rhonda. Mm-hmm. They're all in the general store. Nancy and Mindy are in their house. Nestor's in his house. And we also got Melvin and it's like a shed outhouse thingy, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The shit house. Yeah. The shit house. Where the little shit belongs. And once again, they start talking about how they're going to get out of there because road's out. This is when we kind of hear about the off-road jeep trail they have towards the mountains because... Graboids can move through dirt, but they can't move through rock. So that's that's the safest bet. That's their that's their goal too. But nobody has a vehicle that can make it because the one that could tires got eaten. The only ones that do that are left is Bert and Bert and Heather's truck. Heather. So they're trying to get a hold of them, but like I said, they can't because for some reason they're not answering their radio. This is where they talk about someone will come and look for us from not hearing about us. Yep, someone will come, and that's when it cuts back to the collapsed, the fallen, or not collapsed road, the rock-slided area, and you see another body of somebody. It wasn't a body, it was the brain matter again. Oh, yeah, it was a That's what I'm saying. I wonder, say, their eating habits. Is it, is it everything but the head? Well, no, because it's just heads? his brain matter. And, like, you have the guy that was in the rock slide that we always saw brain matter and blood, right? And then you see it again with the uh, power line guy or whoever it was, communications guy, with just the brain matter and the blood. So, like, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, seems like they consistently avoid the brain. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like brain. Well, the Graboid died, everybody. Okay, so we're there. We're in the general store, and this is this is where we can pick up where I fast forwarded to, so unelegantly, with the cooler pop machine, whatever it is, makes a loud noise, and they start coming through the floor, um, taking poor Walter. Mm-hmm. It's very unfortunate. I like he was a funny guy. Yeah, Walter I was like great. Walter. Mm-hmm. Um, so now he's gone. They're kind of in the mixed of, kind of in the mixed of mourning when the second one pops through the floor and they're just like, shit, we gotta get out of here. 
this is when they make the kind of general consensus, you know, go to the roof. Rhonda ended up on top of the shelf somehow. I don't quite remember how she ended up on That's top of the shelf. That's good to where she was at. Just where she was at. Mm-hmm. She just climbed up as high as she could. Um, and that's another scene I remember. I remember thinking about how in that general store there was just cigarettes not behind the counter, just on the shelf. Yeah, it was a different time and place, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, it was a ni- I mean, it was ninety nineteen ninety. So in a small ass town where, I mean, he can watch anybody. Come there was to the store. I mean, there was two kids. <laughs> yeah, there was a teenager, teenager Melvin and Mindy. Eight or nine years old. Yeah. <laughs> they start making it to the roof. Uh, Rhonda ends up not making it because she gets knocked off the shelves. But she, so she's in the water tower next to the general store. Yeah, because she's scared that she doesn't want she she doesn't think she can make the jump. So she, she just yeah. barrel rolls out the door. Yeah, or the out, out the, the window. window. Yeah, which I couldn't tell if it was actually her doing that stuff or if it was somebody else. Probably somebody else. You think it was somebody yeah, else? It usually is, right? Well, sometimes people do their own stunts, so. Yeah, it's just like, especially with the, like trick glass or fake glass or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. they try to get stunt people because if they accidentally got oh. like a laceration. Oh, yeah, it makes sense. <clears throat> so we got, now we got Val, Earl, and Miguel on the roof of the general store. Mm-hmm. We got Rhonda on the water tower, and they convince everybody else to get up on their roofs because, you know, they're going to start coming through the floor. So everybody's on their roofs now. This is when the scene cuts to uh, a house way out away from town, and a vehicle pulls up the license plate. You know what the license plate says, Jake? Oh, I can't remember. What? Uzi for you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, Uzi's like an automatic Uzi. weapon. Yeah. Oh. Uzi a gun, so Uzi for you. <laughs> uh, so we get that that's Bert and Heather's house. So they park and they're going aside and for I don't know what prompted her to get her binoculars out and look. Something did. She must be far enough away that she could kind of see something going on. But so she busts out her binoculars and she starts looking and sees everybody everybody out on the roof. Don't you think you would have said something right then and there? I would think so, but this wasn't the case. Yeah, cuz they make it they make it all the way into the house and all the way into the basement. Before she's just like, something's going on. They're all up on the roof. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they're down there, and they put stuff in this, I don't even know. It's an ammo. It, like, shakes either, uh, shakes the ammo, the gunpowder into the ammo or something like that. Does it, like, compact the... It might. It's something like that. I'm not 100% sure what it is, but it makes a lot of vibration. It makes makes a lot of noise. And, uh... Val is trying to tell them, you guys need to get out, get out, get out. They're under the ground. They're under the ground. (laughs) Which I never understood. Like, they said it so clearly, and you can hear it through the thing, but they don't seem to understand what, like... Because uh, I imagine it probably would come off a little strange. Like, what's under the ground? Yeah. What are you you on about? Are you all having a shared delusion? (laughs) I don't know. It's kind of weird how it was plainly said, and they're just like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> and so, um, then you get the the sound. You hear the ground moving and the kind of the guttural of something coming. Their their wall starts to bow, and all of a sudden, boom! Graboid. 
and whatever, and they had guns. I think they had guns in their hand, or yeah, and they they empty those, and then the <laughs> the camera slowly pans back, and then you just have this wall of guns. Yeah. <laughs> Pegboard guns, that's all it is. Yep. And also, you just see them start grabbing and firing into this thing, just going, going, going. And I think it's how many? Okay, the guns they initially started with one, two, then they each grabbed a uh, semi-auto. Rifle like an AR-15 or something like that. They each had one of those, so three, four. She grabs a shotgun. He gets grabbed and starts to about to get eaten. She unloads the shotgun, saves him. So there's five. I think he grabs a shotgun then too. So there's six. And then cuts to him. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna break!" And sh- so he breaks into this giant glass case while she's shooting two handguns into it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's seven, eight pistols akimbo. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he's breaking into this glass case, loading some big gun. It's an elephant gun. What? What? I was getting there. I didn't know you were getting there. I thought you didn't know what it was called. Because <sighs> I was gonna quote her. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so we're at eight guns total so far. And then she turns and I don't know what she was thinking, firing a flare into the thing's mouth. Like, it's going to do something. But she turns and fires a flare, and he get, he finish get he finishes getting this gun going, fires two shots into this thing, and it drops. They kill it. And they come back on the roof. We killed it! We killed that motherfucker! Oh, no, actually, no. This is one of the... This is one of the times they replaced the word fucker with humper. <laughs> yeah. To change it from a from a rated R rating to a PG-13 rating. Ah. Suits. I know, I damn. Know. And that was one of the things I was talking to you about. I guess they went through after the film was done and dubbed over a bunch of the fuckers to other things to make it a PG-13 rating. And I didn't know that, but I knew some of the... Some of the words sounded very, like... Didn't match that the did, lips. Didn't quite. Or the sound well, even quality. the so even the sound was just like uh, I don't think that's what they meant to say there. It's pretty bad ADR in a lot of spots. Though before we move on, there's a really cool camera trick that they end up using in this scene where they have the face off with all the guns and the graboid. What it is, um, from what I remember, it's like a half, maybe even a fourth scale um, model of a graboid. And what they did is they had to match up so that when they do that single sweeping shot that goes from one side of the room to the other, that they could stitch the two together. They can have the scale model in one area that they're shooting, and then they can have the actors in another, and then stitch the two together so it looks like a seamless single shot. Oh, nice. And then also you also have that scene where they're firing at it, and it's the green screen, and you can blatantly see that shit's green screen where they're firing at it. But, you know, it is 1990, or, well, probably more like 89, you know, with filming and post-production and everything. You know, it's that time, so that probably pretty high-tech stuff for that moment in, 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 in film. But you, you just, you watch it now, and it's just, just like, oh, that pains me. <laughs> it's not quite so slick. They kill it. They finally take their advice, get out of the basement. Oh, no, I forgot. You broke into the wrong damn rap room, didn't you, you bastard? <laughs> I, well, I wanted to say earlier, too, is that uh, Bert mentioned something earlier when they're talking about how the CB radio won't reach out of the um, 
You'd mentioned that earlier. It won't reach out of the mountains. But Bert says something about how this, well, that's why we picked this location. Total geographic like isolation. isolation. Yep. Because it's crazy gun-toning nut. He is prepared for World War Three. I love yeah. you, Bert. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about uh, the times now. Anyways. Uh, yeah. It's just a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they, get, they take the advice. They're up on their roof now. And... Um, they're forming a plan. It's like, okay, you guys are the only ones that can make... Your vehicle can make it up the Jeep Trail Mountains. You guys go. You guys get help. As they're devising this plan, the grab boy's like, oh, I'm going to find a way to eat you. <laughs> Crafty sons of bitches. And pretty much, pretty much just starts tearing... Trying to tear the buildings down from underneath. This he is destroys their vehicle, too. <laughs> so it's because it tests it, first they go after the general store because that's got the most people so I'm assuming like the most vibrations coming from there they try taking it down and then they go and they bump I think they do they bump the shed uh, I don't remember you see the shed shake a couple times but I don't remember when but I know for sure they go to Nancy's and they shake that mm -hmm. but then unfortunately we pan over to Nestor and his trailer uh. Dumb son of a bitch. Uh, Nestor is like I said, it's a it's a trailer. They manage to knock it over, mm -hmm. him fall down, and get off the ground, get off the ground. And what's Nestor do? Finds a tractor tire and gets on top of the <laughs> tractor tire. <laughs> you know those images you see of somebody like in an inner tube in the middle of water, just kind of. That's what Nestor's doing in this tractor tire. Yeah. <laughs> Empty and then hole in the middle. A giant hole in the middle, and so Nestor gets slurped. Yeah. Slurped. <laughs> His ass is a tasty graboid treat. Yeah. Uh, but this is another kind of emotional scene because it's never really spoken about at all until kind of this point, but Nestor is Melvin's dad. <laughs> is he really? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's Melvin's dad. <laughs> Small town, not much of a gene pool. Oh, I guess. I guess you're right. <laughs> but it's just kind of weird. I thought it was Mindy's brother or something. Like, No, it's, it's Nestor. Uh, that's uh, father or son. And it's just kind of weird because you get the sense that, you know, Bert and Heather are married and, you know, whatever. Mindy and Nancy, you know, mother, daughter. And then you have Nestor. And then you have Melvin. <laughs> it's like, there's like nothing there to where it would make you think it's father or son. But you get that where he gets slurped down. It pan like you hear him screaming underneath the earth, and then it, right underneath Melvin in the shed, and he's like he starts you gonna do something, you gonna do something. That's where you kind of get. Well, I can't. I shouldn't say dad relation in some way, mm -hmm. but how he acted, I'd assume, I'd assume parent. Yeah. I never knew. I never even realized that. I thought I was just some random person. Well, if you lived in a small town, would you have that of a reaction to... Yeah, you'd probably be sad, but would you break down in tears? Yeah, but Melvin's a little bitch. Sure. <laughs> she, she's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he hasn't seen anybody... Because he wasn't in there when Walter yeah, got killed. Yeah, I guess so, you're right. So, that was the first time he actually possibly saw and then heard him screaming under there, so... Yeah, it really makes the fear real at yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which that's a nice that was a nice touch too, having him scream almost the entire way. Yeah. Under the ground. Yeah. Kind of impossible. 
That's what but I was thinking. Very cool. <laughs> well, like, unless... Oh, that'd make them hollow. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot of reverberation. And, from... and he was pulled down... He was basically bent in half, pulled down. So, I mean, the breathing it wouldn't be not easy, <laughs> if even possible. I think it was mostly just an effect thing. Yeah, to... just to make you... But logically, uh, he, yeah, there's <laughs> no way. So that happens. Buildings are falling around them. And so they're like, okay, Na- or, I want to say Nancy. Heather, they're just like, okay, Heather and Bert, you guys got to come get us, and we all get out together, or we're all going to be dead by the time you get back. In the, they're just about to finish getting that plan crossed via the radio when the one graboid starts. And I want to know how it knew it was there. That's a good question. But it somehow knew exactly where Burton Heather's truck was parked at and starts eating it. it. Just starts tearing up the tires. So there's now there's no escape. There's no. I was just going to say, that's a dick move. <laughs> but, and that's, I kind of question, it's like, how did it know the truck was there? It was it just kind of be just like, oh, there's something here. Because it's not like it was even idling or something. No, no it wasn't on or there. nothing. I would like to mention, too, because we didn't mention it before, is after they first leave the basement, Bert immediately goes to shooting the ground, see if he could penetrate it through the ground, and then he doesn't. Even after he realizes he can't penetrate the ground, he tries it again. <laughs> like, you already tried it a couple times. Why? <laughs> I think I'm scared. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know how the saying goes. Uh, when all you got's a hammer, all your problems look like nails. <laughs> I guess, but still, I was dumb of him. Like, let me waste some more bullets and try it again. So then, it cut, so then they find out they're not getting out that way. So it cuts back to town. And once again, it's... They're... Uh, Buildings are attacked. Just it's trying. It's trying to get them as close to the ground as possible. It wants. It wants human flesh. <laughs> it wants to eat them, but not the brain. Apparently, no not, brains. Not a bit of a tiny bit of the brain. Not all. Just, True. just a tiny little bit. It's just that back half. It yeah. Tastes, <laughs> it's a uh, medulla oblongata. Yeah. Yeah. Medulla oblongata. <laughs> they spit that medulla right out. <laughs> um. And so. Kind of in a, a, a bit of, you know, anger because he's just frustrated at the whole situation. He's like, Val's like, what we need is a fucking helicopter or a goddamn tank. And then it kind of pans over to Earl and he, you just kind of see his eyes go. Yeah. Wait a minute. I got it. The cat. And as in cat, they mean the, the bulldozer, the caterpillar that kind of gets shown earlier in the movie when they're pushing garbage. Uh. Chekhov's caterpillar. Yeah, there you, there you go. Well-worn uh, tradition in cinema. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of the idea. They're starting to formulate the idea. So, well, there's no way they can lift the. There's no way they can lift it. But then Miguel chimes in. We can't all fit on the bulldozer. <laughs> <laughs> that's when they decide they can pull something behind it, because you know a bulldozer. It's pull strong enough to pull anything. So this plan is made. But then it kind of gets cut short, and it pan- the camera pans, and it shows how far away the cat is parked from everything. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of just like, oh, it's a hell of a long walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now they have to formulate a plan to do the plan. And that's when Miguel kind of chimes in with the, the lawnmower. It's like, hey, why don't we, they like noise and whatever, set the lawnmower off to go, let them have at it. 
And so now once again, it's like, oh, hey, you know, plants are falling into place. Earl's favorite word. <laughs> just keep going with it. Mm-hmm. So they decide, get the mower going. Somebody's got to go get the get the bulldozer and bring it and get everybody. Once again, we got the good old rock, paper, scissors between Val and Earl. Um, Val, I think he loses again, right? I think he always loses. I think he does too. I think it, he does. Like he one. won. He won the one with the gun, choosing to get the the rifle over the the handgun. Oh, but then right. Earl eventually got the better the better gun anyway. So um, he won that one. So I think you're right. I think that was the only one he won. He lost all the other ones. Yeah. It almost looked like he did the same thing every time too. Yeah, I think that was part of the yeah. like the on running or the running gag between the two. Yeah. It was always he had paper or he had rock and or no. He had paper and Earl had scissors. Yeah. So um that happens. Earl decides he's gonna go. Last minute he gets the elbow from Val and he takes off running. Um this is a when we one of the oopsies probably on the production crew we see with the lawnmower val's running the mower is going and then the scene where the mower falls over if you watch at a certain spot you can see the rope they were using oh uh, yeah <laughs> using, using the toe of the mower it's a split split second you, you blink and you miss it but you can distinctly see like it popping out of the the dirt yeah. Like, and it causes, that happens, and you're just like, oh, well, I know it was meant to happen. <laughs> so then they, t- you know, mower stops running, they have Val stop, and they're just like, oh, you know, he's about probably like good 30 more yards from the bulldozer. <laughs> I couldn't think <laughs> the of the cat. word. The, bull- the cat, the bulldozer, <laughs> about, he's got a ways to go yet. He's got a graboid on either side of him, doesn't know what to do, you know, so... Um, they make noise back in town. He's able to get to the Bobcat. Well, the, <laughs> bulldozer. The only, reason, the only way they're able to distract it is though Nancy Rhonda, Rhonda uh, water tower. She breaks the water tower oh. and makes the noise with the water coming out of the water tower. That's because they were it was ignoring their yells and voices. Clever girl. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so gets the bulldozer. Hooks up the trailer and starts, goes back to town, gets everybody, and they make their way over to Bert's. Mm-hmm. That's when the scene cuts, and you see uh, Heather and Bert cutting pipe off the top of their house, dumping things into the pipe, shaking it, capping it, and moving on to the next one, uh, putting fuses in it, and you're just like, oh, bombs, yeah! <laughs> and uh, they get Heather and Bert. And they're 1,000 pounds of gear. Mm-hmm. Bag after bag after bag after bag. That they bag. have to have. They even have though they're have. trying to tell them, they're trying to stop us. We have to keep moving. <laughs> We're only going nine miles. <laughs> so when they start going again, um, they keep tr- the Graboids keep trying to stop them, but it's, um, they can't because it's a, what is, what's it? Thirteen tons? There's no way they can lift thirteen tons, could they? Uh, so they're just cruising. They they think they're home free, scot free. They're going. And uh, one instance, you see like dust pluming off off in the distance. And it's like, oh, you know, as long as they do it way over there, I don't give a shit. You forgot to mention about uh, Bert and the gun to Melvin. 
Hasn't happened yet. Yeah, it did. Because he asked as soon as they get into the bulldozer. He asked for the gun. Oh, give me a gun? And he's like, I wouldn't give you a gun if it was World War Three. Yes. Okay, that's that first instance. I was going to talk about the next instance. Yeah, but you got to start with that. Okay. <laughs> it's been stated, Bert would never give Melvin a gun. Okay. Unless it was World War... No, not even if it was World War Three. So not even if it was World War Three <laughs> yeah. would, would Melvin get a gun. And he got over his father's death pretty quickly, too. Yeah, he's, he seemed to... Must have been a very strained relationship. Yeah. So, like I said, they're they're trudging along. They think they're scot free, and then they're not gonna get plumes of dust off in the off in the distance. They make a statement. I don't care what they're doing as long as it's way over there. And the scene cuts back, and the the bulldozers going, and we find out <laughs> what they were doing way off in the distance. They had dug a trap. The whole front of the bulldozer. Falls into this giant hole that they they created, which still kind of is confusing because you figure wouldn't have like don't you think it would have like collapsed in on itself with just the weight of the dirt and sand? Uh, presumably, yeah. Well, I'm trying to think how because how the graboids go through they they have to make holes pathways where they're going anyways, and they're not gonna fill up again, right? So wouldn't they have hit a hole already? Just from one graboid? Yeah, because it would at least... Because even with the displacement of the soil going round them, it would loosen it all up enough that, yeah, there should just be, like, a series of fucking bunny holes all yeah. over the place. Just like stepping in a gopher hole. Yeah. Or a prairie dog hole, like they were talking about the one time. That prairie dog burrow. <laughs> Sons of bitches. <laughs> you know, that doesn't make sense to me. That I don't know. It's they're just confusing to me why... Why that one trap they dug, but all of the little burrows that have to be all over the pra- the valley now didn't do anything. Yeah, movie logic. Yeah, I movie. guess. <laughs> so, so now their plan is foiled. They can't. They can no longer make it to make it to the mountain trail with the bulldozer because it's you know in a giant hole. This is when Bert enacts his homemade bomb. Lights it. Tosses it. Boom, they run away. And this is when they kind of make the connection, oh, hey, it's loud, it scares them away. So what if we throw a bomb in the direction we want to go, scare them a different way, and then run? And this is when we kind of have the crisis with Melvin. He's like, I'm not going to run, no way, they'll catch us. And so uh, over over his shoulder, Bert's like, this will make him think twice, and hands him this giant, you know, revolver. So, bomb go, toss the bomb, bomb goes off, they all start running the way they want to go about a quarter it's not even not even halfway it's a quarter of the way they start to see him coming back at them melvin pulls the gun and starts pointing and shooting and i think it only clicks once he's like like once or twice and so in my brain if it was me i would be (laughs) so i knew it was actually not loaded instead of maybe you know you know one chamber and be like oh maybe But no, pulls the trigger once, at most twice. Starts yelling at Bert for getting him an unloaded gun. But they all make it to the rocks, safe and sound. Uh, <laughs> Melvin goes to Bert. It's like, Bert, stupid, give me an unloaded gun. <laughs> and then gives it back to Bert. And then Bert does actually something that you're supposed to do when you get handed a firearm. And checks if it's loaded. Even though he knew for 100% fact it was not loaded before he even gave it to Melvin, he still checked. Good gun safety. Yeah, gun safety 101. Um, 
So now they're on this. Now they're on this rock, which has happened now, at least one other time in the movie. They're stuck on a rock, yeah, because it happened with the three of them. <laughs> and this is also when they're coming to the realization that they're stuck. Fuck. They're stuck there. There ain't. Then there's no leaving. So they're sitting there, kind of wallowing in their own like. Fuck, we're, we're, you know, we're just gonna die here. Bert blames Val for them leaving when they have full stocked. How many years of... Four years of food, water filtration, air filtration. Geiger counter. Geiger counter. <laughs> uh, thousand gallons of gasoline. Yeah. All this stuff that they had to leave back. Dick. Even though it's all in the basement where they could have got attacked again anyways. Yeah. Damn underground sons of bitches. <laughs> But so they're kind of in this kind of mopey, like you know, we're this, we're dying on this rock. Um, this is when uh, Bert makes a statement. He's like, "When it comes to starvation, I'm gonna walk out there with one of these and the fuse lit and let them take me down." Boom. <laughs> and I, once again, you know, Earl perks up at that at that statement. He's like, "Hey, that gave me an idea." And so they're just like, oh, go fishing, like. So then it cuts the scene again where they got the rope and they got a bomb tied to the rope. And so they start kind of like fishing. They throw rocks into the, a section trying to get to the get it to come to a certain point, throw the bomb, and then make it swallow it. That's kind of the consensus here. They do it perfectly once. It swallows it, bomb goes off, exploded graboid. Rains down graboid parts gross. all over. <laughs> so gross. And this is where we learned that they really are learning. Yes, because then they go to try this because we were down to two because one died by cement, one died by Bert and Heather, now one died by explosion. So we're down to the last one. We're down to Stumpy. The one, Stumpy. The one that the one that got Val and Earl's truck. It's our old pal the Stumpy. Beginning of the movie. Um, they tried doing the same thing. They get the graboid to a certain spot. They toss the bomb. It's it's lit. We also kind of a little breadcrumb. We see that Val has one more bomb in his hand, as he's pulling the pulling the the rope to get the it to suck the bomb down. We think it perfect sucks the bomb down, and then what? Three seconds later, foop, shot up out of the ground. <laughs> and this is movie logic here, because it perfectly lands on all the other bombs and. Bullets. <laughs> so that bomb goes off, setting off all the other bombs, and then you hear gunfire because, you know, the concussive force and the heat is going to make bullets go off, and it's just chaos. Which, I will comment, the amount of bullets and whatever else is in there, plus their bombs and how big the explosion was with the bombs they were throwing, those rocks should have busted. Yeah, it's pretty tough rocks. Uh, they should have busted. It doesn't make any sense to me, but pretty tough rocks. Are they? Are they? They pretty tough. Are they diamond yeah, level? Uh, uh, no, I was going to uh, animanium. Movie anium. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Some vibranium mixed in there, you know. Ah, uh, makes sense now. I'm sorry. Sorry, question it, guys. And I really, I really want to know how Val, Earl, and Rhonda got so fucking far away from the rocks. They're like it was good, like twenty yards. Yeah, damn. Everybody else was like a few steps off the rock at most, if not even still on the rock. <laughs> they were like twenty yards. I'm like, 
That's impressive. They probably should just use those superpowers earlier. It's like, it's like, <laughs> of course, how'd you get all the way out there? And they start running back, and of course, they get stopped by Senior Stumpy. That sounds better. <laughs> Senior Stumpy. <laughs> Senior Stumpy. He stops them. So they're just like, ah, shit. So they're, you know, they stop. They're quiet. Everybody on the rock starts making noise, figuring, hey, it's gonna, it's gonna stop him. You know, it's gonna make him come to us. So, and we also get that scene where he slowly sits back down, and then Earl goes to take a step, and Val's like, don't do it! Knowing that, he's like, this one's smart. They're learning. They really, they are. It's almost like it took them this long to learn uh, that they're really learning. Um, yeah. No, his, uh, Val's exact, this one ain't dumb. <laughs> Trying to trick us. So they sit there and have a little conversation, and, um, Earl's trying to convince him to throw the bomb to get it to go away so they can at least get back to the rock. But then he's like, it's our last one, you know, what are we gonna, what are we gonna do? Just die on the rock? And so he's you can just see kind of the wheels turning in uh, Val's brain, and so he just makes this statement he's like, I'm going for it. And then turns and just takes off running. And then right when, as soon as he takes those first few steps, the graboid pops out of the ground. And that's when Samantha pointed out, which I hadn't noticed before, but you can see when it bursts through the ground, it's like um, drywall or particle board or something that's got yeah, you just You can a, see the ground like shaped like a, a, a little too far from where the ground was actually coming out of. Just like a thin a thin layer of something that is easy to bust through for this thing to bust through. That happens. So Val's running, Earl's running, and Rhonda takes off after them just because she discovers that she's the one that has the lighter. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> because once again, as Val and Earl are running, they're going like this, checking their, all their pockets to make... And it's like, oh, I got it! Rhonda runs after him. And they're running off towards... Well, we don't... They're just running in a certain direction. Come to find out, Val was running towards the cliffside. And so we're just like, what the fuck are they going to do there? <laughs> and so the three of them are kind of standing all in a row. Mr. Senior uh, Stumpy is barreling right for him. Um, Val breaks... The fuse off to it's just you know, what like a half inch something like that maybe maybe I'm gonna say something about the fuse earlier. Bert they asked what fuse it was and he says it's cannon fuse for what my cannon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> he rips the fuse off, stands there and waits, and he keeps telling them it's barreling at him. Everybody around him's like light it, light it, light it, light it. Not yet, not yet. And finally, they light it. He throws it. Everybody thinks he overshoots it because he tosses it way behind, way behind uh, Senior Stumpy. Bomb goes off and then it just picks up speed because, you know, hence we found out it doesn't, it doesn't like the loud noise. It hurts them. So it's it's barreling at the three now. The Val, or Earl and Rhonda are just like fuck this and they dip. Val's still standing there and at the last second he jumps out of the way and the. Graboid goes flying out of the side of the cliff. And we get another one of them, another one of them quotes as Val quick peeks over to the side of the, the side of the the cliff and like, Can you fly, you sucker? Can you fly? <laughs> His mouth very clearly making it F syllable. Yeah. <laughs> and we have the Graboid slowly fall and splatters on the bottom of the cliff. And which is Jake and I kinda of talked about this in the drive over here. Is it would have been very nice to have uh, Kevin Bacon reprise his role in the third one, mm-hmm. 
in uh, Tremors 3 when they fly. They actually fly. The ash blasters. <laughs> well, son of a bitch. <laughs> it would have been, been, nice, been nice to just have him see it fly and be like, oh, they can. <laughs> <laughs> but so then we have uh, the movie winds down. Graboids are all dead. Things are starting to, I wouldn't say even normalcy, but um, it cuts to them putting tires back on back on their truck and Rhonda's walking around taking photos. Um, she gets to be a big part of a um, research. research research investigation because you know she's well, seismology, zoology, close enough, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I wonder if part of it is is because they do make such a um, like seismic impact when they move to the ground so I wonder if that's part of why she's and she's part of the discovery of it too yeah and then Val and Earl are talking about being a, being in People magazine and Earl's like oh we can be on National Geographic <laughs> <laughs> then there's a kind of a sexual tension moment um, where Rhonda's talking to, to Val and it just seems like Val's playing kind of like this scared uh schoolyard boy and kind of being just like yeah we're gonna go into we're gonna be doing these things and, <laughs> and then uh Rhonda turns and walks off and Earl slams the hood of the truck and it's just like I'm working up to it <laughs> and then of course it all ends with that you know heartwarming scene of me remembering how short Kevin Bacon is that's heartwarming well, <laughs> him, him kissing, kissing Rhonda, but it just, it made me remember on how he's not a very tall, tall actor. He's not a very tall guy. I, I didn't realize that. Unless she's tall, it well, might be true. Be. I I honestly just never knew how tall Kevin Bacon was. I don't know either. But yeah, and that's that's Tremors in a nutshell. In a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie so much. It's such a good movie. I can tell, baby. But like I said, the movies kind of go down in quality after that. Yeah. But it's a cult classic now. Still it's... fun popcorn flicks. Yeah. Uh, first three. Well, yeah. first four. I even don't mind the fourth. I don't mind. The, I like kind of like how they went back in time in the fourth. You get fun. you get more story. Yeah. You get yeah. more story, and that's what that's what makes it yeah, a decent watch. Yeah, the first four are my favorite. I love how they went to was it Mexico. Mexico in the second one. The yeah. second one, and then uh, you kind of see how they kind of adapt more with the RC cars and stuff like that, which they don't really show them smartening up from the RC cars. You think they would? And that's the that's the kind of the one another thing is to like they go from being like oddly learning capable in the first movie to just being dumb as dirt yeah. in the second movie. Yeah, makes me wonder if like Stumpy was just a mutant. Just like super smart for some reason. Well, and I also wonder if they didn't want the focus to be on the Graboids in the second movie because they knew something worse was coming. Yeah. yeah the second one was really a jump-off point to do something new with its morphology. Yeah. So that makes hmm. a lot of sense. And the Ass Blasters one was just funny just because of the name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> final kill count of this movie was 10. Was it 10? 10. I was trying to think about it in my head as we were going, but I kept losing count. And a whole lot of sheep. A whole lot of sheep, yeah. So, and, but that means... And cattle, because uh, the Miguel said he Miguel was missing said some. he was losing oh, cattle. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah, um, until you said his name towards the end, I completely forgot Miguel. That's <laughs> <laughs> Miguel. Um, but so if knowing ten people died, um, that means seven of the ten were residents of Perfection Valley. So cut in half the population was. Dang. That's quick. Right? Because we got Bert, Heather, Val, Earl, Mindy, Nancy, and uh, Melvin. Oh, Miguel. No, so something done that up right then there. Maybe they weren't counting Mindy? Or they don't haven't updated their thing. Yeah. Or one of the people didn't count. Because the doc might be new because the doc and his wife are building a house. Yeah, some distance out. Yeah. Hmm. And then you can't count the... Did you count the two... The three people that died on the side of the road? No, I didn't count them. So that wasn't... So it was ten minus three would be seven. So seven residents of Perfection Valley. Yeah. Oh, math doesn't add up. (laughs) Hmm, Something's hinky there. Uh, But unless the population sign could have been wrong very easily. Yeah. Um... I mean, how often do population signs get redone? Probably every census. Yeah, I, I don't really get the feeling that the townspeople were all that up on keeping up. Yeah. <laughs> that sign might be just 10 years old, so it's just not counting Mindy. Yeah, maybe. And see, that's an, uh, and I was talking to you earlier that uh, Kevin Bacon and Reba McIntyre were supposed to, were both supposed to reprise their roles in the second movie, but scheduling issues and uh, Kevin Bacon opting for probably a good move in his acting career being Apollo 13 uh, he did that and uh, Reba was on tour so they couldn't they couldn't do the second movie which dropped the second movie's um, budget from 17 million to 4 million ouch so <laughs> <laughs> that would be upsetting. Just losing that star power, and they're like, oh, "Can you do straight to video, maybe instead?" Well, don't they have the second one has the has Earl in it still and yep. Bert? But I guess those I guess Reba and Kevin are such big names. Then I guess so. Yeah, they got the star power. Yeah, because you got you got Kevin Bacon coming from you know. dance movie. Footloose. Footloose. <laughs> he had Footloose and then the, how successful the first Tremors was. So, we gotta ask the question, Samantha. Huh? What would you do? Die. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, if we're doing main characters and we're Kevin Bacon or Earl as myself, I think I'd just end up dying. I'd end up getting eaten. Do you think you'd end up eaten, or would you end up being stuck somewhere and dying of natural causes? Mm, maybe die of natural causes. There's some things they could have done to get out. I mean, but it's movie logic, so it's, you know. But, I mean, if they would have got in a car and kept moving, but it depends on how fast the graboids can actually go. Well, but you also get the sense that they can they can outrun them pretty well in a vehicle, so... Yeah. I'm guessing they're probably topping out at like maybe 15, 20 miles per hour or something. Maybe. Because they can't outrun them on foot, but they did have a bit of success on, like you're saying, in a vehicle. Yeah. 
don't know. I don't know. It just it depends because they're isolated, so you're fucked either way. You know, geographical isolation. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think maybe. How far away was the mountains from from the actual, just the mountains themselves from perfection, like behind them? Well, it's it's stated. Um, he states that when they're at Bert's house, they're only going nine miles to the mountains. So. Okay, but that's nine miles to the trail. I'm saying, like, if they went straight to the mountains, the closest mountains from where they are. Because the trail could have been across the valley. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. So maybe if they went straight to the, just the mountains and just climbed the mountains and then went, that might have been a smarter move than if they were, say, if they had a walk or something. Still quite a hike. I do have to say, though, if they sense vibration, you're still vibrating when your body's vibrating constantly anyways, first of all. And second of all, when you even if you whisper, you're vibrating because your vocal cords create a vibration. It depends on how sensitive they are to vibrations. Well, considering, um, well, no, because that doesn't count because the car, their burst car wasn't moving. And that's the only yeah. kind of oddity. That's what I'm saying. How did it know it was there? <laughs> that's a definite issue. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I'd just end up. I'd somehow die either from. Natural causes of trying to get up high somewhere or trying to escape or something. I'd definitely be leaning heavy on the weapons expert in town <laughs> and hopefully bullshit my way out of it. Otherwise, I'm sure as hell going to try as hard as I can not to get eaten. That sounds super scary. Right. So if it came down to it, I'd probably rather go the route of exposure and sunstroke than that. This is where I'm going to disagree with you. If it comes down to if it comes down to it and I'm stuck somewhere and I'm slowly dying of dehydration and exposure, I'm like, fuck this. Getting eaten by gravoid is quicker. Diving onto the It dirt. depends. <laughs> if I'm if I'm the guy up in the tower, I'd either shoot myself Yeah, I'd eat a bullet. Or <laughs> Yeah. Or I'd throw myself at the tower because instantaneous death. Right. Hopefully. Well, depending on how high you were, how you fell. I guess if you're swan diving, you die. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I wouldn't... If if it came down to me being stuck on a rock or up and I'm dying of exposure, I'm offing myself in some way or form. Because I'd rather die quickly than <laughs> slowly from exposure and thirst. Yeah. But hopefully I'd be one of the lucky ones and make it out safely. Hopefully. I honestly think their best bet would have been to go straight towards the mountains, wherever it's the closest, instead of going nine miles, probably across the valley, to the Jeep Trail. And it also depends on how easy of going to be, how easy of a, a rock climb that would be. you got to remember, they have, they have Melvin, they have Mindy, they have, you know, children that they'd have to bring along with them. Yeah. So that's why they automatically thought, you know, taking a vehicle up the Jeep Trail would just be the easiest thing to do. True. So who's your guy? Yeah, who's who's the character you resonate most with, Samantha? Well, I'm not as smart as Rhonda, so I'm not going to say Rhonda. <laughs> and I'm not that much of a little shit like Melvin. Probably Earl. God damn <laughs> <laughs> What makes you pick Earl, honey? Just... Are you always the man with the plan? <laughs> I don't know, I'm not Val, I'm not that cocky, and I'm not, you know, superficial. Well, he grew. 
Wow. He bloomed by the end of the movie. <laughs> wow. He blossomed into a full Valentine. He fell in love with a pretty woman. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Earl's is the only, Earl's the only thing I could think of. Jake? Uh, well, fine. Fuck it. I'm Rhonda. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rhonda. Why would you? Why would you be Rhonda? Uh, she uh knows a lot about rocks and vibration. <laughs> Very I knowledgeable. Guess, I guess it could be Heather too, because Heather's not as crazy as Bert. She kind of keeps Bert under control. Yeah, too. but she's still, you know, end of days. Person, I'm yeah. not like that really. So. Yeah, she's still signing on at least somewhat. Yeah, even if she's a stabilizing factor. But I don't know. She's also got a sort of take no shit attitude. Yeah, so there's that going for her. You know what? No, I'd be the shop owner, Walter. You'd be Walter. I would so be the one trying to figure out a name for it. <laughs> I mean, the, everybody's freaking out about it. I try to figure out a name for the snakeoid. Grab, graboids, graboids. <laughs> I think I'd be Miguel because I'd be just kind of the one that's kind of there <laughs> and kind of insert random ideas when they're needed. <laughs> Miguel's a good guy to have. <laughs> Maybe sometimes the ideas aren't great and some of my one-liners are kind of fall flat, but I'd still live. <laughs> you know, you really sold me on this Miguel thing. <laughs> you wouldn't be Nestor? <laughs> No, it wouldn't be Nestor. I'd take the hint as get off the ground as get off the ground. You know... <laughs> Technically off the ground. You know what? Who I know fits... I think would fit perfectly as uh, Melvin. Dylan? Dylan? Yeah! Because <laughs> he's, he's a little, a little shit. shit. <laughs> Where'd it go, dude? <laughs> uh, I hope you listen to this, Dylan, and you cringe. Because I know you will. Uh, he's probably never seen the movie. Probably not. Yeah, no idea. He's a child. But yeah, I think that about wraps it up for this lovely episode. Probably going to be my favorite because I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Whatever you tell me, I will never change my mind. That's okay. <laughs> Kevin Bacon, Ken, Kenneth Bacon or, and uh, uh, Fred Ward kind of being horrible people later in life and I'd still love this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta separate the art from the artist. Uh. <laughs> I, wish, I wish everybody could do that, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's unforgivable, though. You're unforgivable. Alright, I think that wraps it up for today. I'd like to thank everybody for listening to us this fine day. <laughs> fine day. Uh, please uh, follow us on our the uh, platforms that you're able to listen to this on. We also have a Facebook, which will be in the description of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth. We also have listener support set up. If you guys like to support our podcast, uh, help us out, get us better equipment, that sort of thing. You don't have to do it one, two. It's just there. That link will also be in the description. And like I said in the last episode, if you guys want to give us ideas on movies to watch, Emily Asshole, controversial ones so we can get talking about it, things like that, let us know and we'll maybe do them on a future episode. We will see them and we will take them into consideration. Consideration. Yes, we're not working towards the end of this. But yeah, once again, thanks, guys. And this is from Twist and Tales Podcast. Bye. Bye. <laughs>